want to do something a little bit different this morning. It's not that much different, but it's different in the fact that uh, usually we're kind of in a series. Usually we will stay on one topic for a month or six weeks or something like that. And uh, the past three weeks, we've just kind of had some give and play in that. And I decided not to really start a series until October kicks around, or I may just protest until we get some cooler weather. I don't know. Um, So what what I've done is over the past few weeks, I've just kind of listened to some of you guys and um, had many conversations with you. And the topic that I want to talk about this morning is something that I, I think a lot of us um, are dealing with, especially if you're new here. Um, if you've been here for a while, maybe you've, you've kind of heard this vein of who we are. But um, more than anything, I want you to understand something. And it's simply this. We are here this morning not to fall in love with a system, but we are here to fall in love with Jesus. Uh, we're not here to fall in love with the church. We're not here to fall in love with this ideology, this theology, these rules. But at the end of the day, we are here because we have the incredible privilege and opportunity to meet Jesus. Um, and, 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 and especially if you grow up, this is like the buckle of the Bible Belt in South Louisiana. Like everybody grew up some in some way, shape, or form, you grew up, you came up in a church, maybe you had a great experience, maybe you had a terrible experience, but whatever your experience was, I can promise you this, many of you have a great disdain when you hear the word religion. When you hear the word religion, there is this negative firing going off in your brain, right? Because a a lot of us have all these negative connotations when we hear religion. We hear like man-made set of rules. We hear traditions. We hear labels. We hear, well, if you're not a part of this denomination, then you're going to hell, right? We We hear grandma's beliefs or whatever it was or religion was for you. Like whenever you got angry and mad and you had a few words come out of your mouth, you said, I lost my religion, right? So religion is this kind of touchy principle. A lot of us have a negative connotation that is associated with this word. Can I just be honest with you this morning? I have grown up my entire life in the church, and I'll tell you this, I am not in love with religion. I love Jesus, and the truth is, if you're not careful this morning or throughout your life, what can end up happening is we go and we turn to Jesus based on this set of rules, this ideology that we think we ought to live this way, and if we're not, then God is angry at us. So we fall into this system of as long as I do well this week, then God's happy with me. Well, if I blow it the next week, then I got to earn my way back to God. So one week you feel good, another week you feel shame, another week you got to feel like you got to clean yourself up, you got to skip out on church because you feel like if you walk in the building, the whole place is going to come burning down, right? You have all these things that we're associated with. The definition of religion is simply this, an organized system of beliefs, ceremonies, and rules used to worship a God or a group of gods. Um, Now, some of you may say, well, isn't that Christianity? Like, don't we have this set of rules that we follow? Don't we have this system that we follow? And I guess at its core, Christianity is somewhat of a religion, but by this definition, there are so many other things that could be a religion. Um, If it's just a set of belief, an organized system, ceremonies that we follow, atheism could be a religion. We can look at it and people that buy into this ideology, well, I'm going to live my life this way, I'm going to follow this. Hunting could be a religion. 
I've said this in the nine o'clock service. I don't know why any of you go hunting, especially in southwest Louisiana. It's like you sit out in the blind and they have these things called pterodactyls that come and suck your blood, otherwise known as mosquitoes, right? Like, I don't know why people go and do that, but we can give our lives to anything. Shopping could be a religion. Um, this is kind of scary. I didn't say this in the nine o'clock, but loving your kids to the point like where you're, you need to let them go could be a religion. Anything that you give yourself of to, that you subscribe to can be a religion. And here's what I want to make the argument against this morning is Christianity is much more than a set of beliefs and rules. It's more than just this system that we follow, but we have the opportunity to know Jesus. At its core, Christianity is this invitation to have a relationship with the Father and that through that, our lives are transformed. See, Christianity is not about a system. Christianity is about a person. It's about Jesus who stepped into the midst of your past, your present, your mistakes, your future, and looks at you and says, I accept you and love you and can forgive you for whatever you have done. See, religion says reach up to God, but Christianity say God reaches down to us. It's a completely different understanding. So my main point today is simply this. Rules-based religion will leave you empty and dry. If you are following Jesus, going, okay, I have to follow all of these rules, it's going to leave you empty because true freedom and true joy is only found in the grace that Jesus gives to us. So the question now comes down to, so what did Jesus come to do? If he did not come to establish a religion, what did he come to do? To do. Let's read Matthew 5, 17 through 20. It says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but I have come to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota. Anybody from iota? You're in the Bible, all right? <laughs> not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. So one of the uses of the law simply in the Old Testament today, is to show us that on our own, there is no way that we could adequately serve Jesus how we ought to. In the Old Testament, there's actually 613 laws. I have a problem memorizing three phone numbers, (laughs) right? So there's 613 laws that they had to ascribe to in order to follow Jesus. They had to wash their hands a certain way. They had to wear certain clothes. They had to wear things around their wrists. They had to pray a certain way. They had to walk into the temple a certain way. In the Old Testament, there's 613 laws, and the problem with the religion, it says we need more. So Many of us posture ourselves of wanting to come to God, and rather than just coming as we are, right now we go, what do I need to do? What do I need to follow? Do I need to pray this way? 
Do I need to respond? Well, did I not cry enough the last time? So was I not truly repentant? Did, did, and we go down this list and we start trying to get to God based on all these principles and rules that we think that we ought to follow. And it just leaves this gap. See, the law is actually in place to be a mirror for us. It proves that outside of the power of the resurrected Jesus living inside of us, there's no way that we could fulfill it. So it declares our great need for his, great, for, for his grace in our life and his mercy in our life. And here's the problem. Religious people want to crush you with the rules. They like to put their moral goodness on display. But Jesus said, no, I came to fulfill the law. What does that mean? Meaning it has reached its end and it's reached its completion. Jesus says, it's done, it's finished with me. So we no longer live up to this external code, but we live in a relationship with a person who actually teaches us how to live. And there's a much different understanding in that. See, when you're living your life based on a bunch of rules, well, you feel like if you break one, then you kind of get outside of the line, right? And you feel like you've got to earn your way back into that. Religion adds more rules, and here's what Jesus says. I've already established the rules, and you can't add to them. (laughs) I've already made them, and you can't add to them. So here's what Jesus is saying. Well, what is the rule now? What's the standard now? Love is the new standard. It is this understanding that we are here, that Jesus has sacrificed so much for us, so we get to this place out of love because he's loved us so much that we want to love him in return. Therefore, we follow his way of living, not because we have to, because it's the rules, but because we want to, because we love him so much. It's a completely different ideology. Think about it this way. I shared this in the nine o'clock. If I was ever tempted to cheat on my wife, first of all, I would not be here next Sunday because she would kill me, okay? Second of all, I can motivate myself two different ways. I can motivate myself and go, well, you know, there's the possibility of me getting caught. There's the possibility of all these different things happening. Or I can motivate myself this way. I've loved this woman since I was 14 years old, and I understand what that's going to do to our family. And I'm not saying that it can't be restored, but I'm understanding everything that's going to play out. Therefore, I walk away from temptation based on what? Love. Not based on, well, I just got to follow the rules. I just got to color inside the lines. This is how our relationship with Jesus ought to look. We follow Christ not because we are fearful of going to hell, but because we have come into this understanding that God loves me so much that he looks at all of my shortcomings and he says, I still love you. No matter how much you've blown it, no matter how many mistakes you've made, no matter how many mistakes you've made within marriage, no matter how many mistakes you've made with your kids, no matter how many mistakes you've made with your finances, your own personal life, God looks at all of that and says, hey, we, we can work with this. See, no one learns to love by trying harder and doing more. We learn to love when somebody loves us in return, <laughs> don't we? The, the scriptures teaches this in 1 John four nineteen. We love because what? He first loved us. We love because he first loved us. It's the equivalent of you going to a restaurant, getting this expensive meal, and then you go to pay the tab, and somebody says it's already been taken care of. You're like, well, what? That was like a $100 meal. Who, who would take care of this? And so what do you feel compelled to do the next time you go out to eat? Like, I want to do this for somebody else. This is what our relationship with Jesus 
should look like. We have to have this understanding that Jesus did not come to establish a religion. He came to love you into a relationship with his father. My hope for you today is that you will be introduced to this scandalous grace that Jesus offers. And that you could step outside of everything that you've ever known. Because let's just be honest, many of us, based on how you've grown up, including myself, I'm not exempt from this, we all have hurt from what? Church. We all do. Maybe you didn't grow up in church, but somehow you were lucky enough to get hurt from it. <laughs> like maybe you went twice and the church hurt you. Maybe you grew up in, in their tradition or the denomination. Maybe you felt like, man, every time I walked in the doors, I just felt like people wanted to kill me. Or I felt like I never was dressed a particular way. Or I felt like I could never be honest with where I was at. Because if I was honest with where I was at, they would look at me different. When in the world have we made serving Jesus all about the clothes that we wear, the words that we speak, and how honest we become? We've missed it. This is religion. This is what this is the greatest enemy that the, the greatest tool that the enemy has over Christians is to get you to live this systematic life and says, do this, and if you don't, God is angry with you. So we have to walk into this understanding that man, we can walk in here just how we are, and God wants to meet with us. Like no conditions. So three points I want to make this morning. Number one. Religion makes God the boss and you the employee. Jesus makes God the son and you the father. Jesus makes God the father and you the son the other way around. So religion is like a contract and contract has conditions, doesn't it? A contra- like if you go and buy a home and you put a mortgage on it, they say, okay, on the first of every month, you got to do what? Make your payment. And if you don't make your payment, what, they, they charge you with a late fee. And if you continue to not make your payment, eventually they take your house away. Why? Because a contract has conditions. So you have to adhere to the conditions or there are consequences. In other words, you have to do the right things and you're okay. This is how many of us dive into our relationship with Jesus. It's a contract. As long as I'm doing the right things, then me and God are cool, <laughs> We're doing well, but what happens when you do the wrong things? What happens when your humanity gets the best of you and you make a mistake like everybody here in this room does? What happens? Well, according to the contract, you're out. (laughs) According to the contract, you messed up, you blew it, and you're out of the relationship now because you view your relationship with Jesus as a contract, not a covenant. So I, I gave this example at 9 o'clock, but as a parent, I do not have a contractual relationship with my kids. Too many spilled Cheerios on the floor, you're out. <laughs> right? You're out, you're done, you're gone, you can't live here anymore. I was telling 9 o'clock this, and we were at Costco the other day, and uh, my wife when you have six kids, you shop at Costco. That's just what you do. Um, so we're at Costco, and my wife's like, what kind of snack do you want to get for the kids? And I said, listen, I'm from this point on, putting my foot down, there are no more granola bars in this house. She's like, why? Have you seen our floor lately? 
Because granola bars are these sticky little things, and the kids tend to eat them like, and like crumbs spew everywhere all over the floor. And then when the crumbs hit the floor, they decide to smash them onto the floor. Then I got people that come over to my house like, oh, I like that floor. What color is it? I was like, it's granola. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> there are these sticky crumbs everywhere. Now, everybody in this room would agree if I looked at my kid and said, one too many granola bars spill on the floor. You're out. But Dad, I know you're six years old, but you'll figure this life out. Get out of here. Everybody would look at me and say, man, that is an evil father, an evil parent. The problem is that's how many of us view our relationship with Jesus. So we dive into this thing and we go, oh, too many. I've sinned one too many times. I'm out. God won't accept me back into the family. And what you're doing when you do that, you view your relationship as a contract, not a covenant. See, when God saves you, it's a covenant that he makes with you to stay with you. I'm not abandoning you. I'm not leaving you. Just because you made a mistake, it doesn't mean that I'm out. No, God leans in and he says, I don't care how far you've gone off the deep end. I'll be waiting here for you. The truth is I have six kids and if I had one of them come to me today and says, Dad, I don't love your Jesus and I don't want to follow this, I would still love them just as much. Can we have a differences of, of opinion? Absolutely. But it's not going to deter how much I love them. They'll always have a place in my home regardless of the life decisions that they decide to make. Why? Because I'm their father. Which means that there will always be a place at my home. So I want you to understand, this is how Jesus views us. If you are getting to Jesus based off a of religion, it makes God the boss and you the employee. So as long as you work hard enough, as long as you do enough, Jesus is pleased with you, you get an A+. Plus. But I want you to understand, that is not how we come to God. We come to God as a son or a daughter. So we come to God and say, God, man, I've got some things right here in my life that are hindering me. I don't know what to do with them. I've blown it, and I keep blowing it. And God leans in and says, okay, we can work with that. So we keep moving forward. I don't know about you, but that sounds like the God that I want to serve. A God that doesn't love me based on conditions. If you love somebody based on conditions, it's not really love anyway, is it? See, God not only allows his children to come home, if they abuse his goodness, he throws them a party. <laughs> That's the story of the prodigal son, isn't it? Like the son returns, and the most powerful part about that story is not the prodigal son. It's the reaction that the father has. He never mentions, where have you been? Where's my money? He doesn't mention any of that. He says, my son is home. Kill the fatted calf. Let's throw a party. No questions asked. Number two. Religion grades righteousness on a curve. Jesus grades righteousness on a cross. So let me explain this. Um, in high school, I passed geometry because my teacher graded on a curve. <laughs> now, I don't know if you know how a curve works. It just means this. The teacher looks at the class and goes, you guys are pretty much all hopeless and you're all going to make bad grades. So I got to grade this on a curve, right? So your prayer... As one of the worst students in the class, I always aced English and everything in math. I was just terrible. So your prayer is, I hope everybody else does bad so I don't have to look that bad. 
because then the teacher can kind of bring the grade up a little bit. So my D ends up turning into a C, right? This is how most of us view our lives, though. So our comparison based on how good we're doing is the people around us. Well, God, have you seen my neighbor? At least I'm not that bad. We show up to work, and you hear all their issues, and you go, at least I'm not that bad. And you begin to grade things based on the people around you. You just have to know enough to be average. You just have to know enough to get by. See, religion says the standard is the people closest to you. As long as the person closest to you doesn't go all Jesus freak on you, you'll be good, right? (laughs) As long as you don't get all holy on me, I'll be fine. The truth is religion secretly hopes some people fail so that you can look good. Religion is secretly okay if that person bombs every test because it makes you look a little bit better. Religion lowers the curb so you can put yourself up on a pedestal and go, at least I'm not them. But here's the truth. Jesus does not grade on a curve. He grades on a cross. So when he went to the cross, he didn't say, well, I'm dying for this sin, this sin, this sin, and this sin. And then I'll come back in a few years and die for this one, this one, this one, and this one. No, he looks at all of us and says, even playing field. (laughs) So he says basically what the scriptures teach is that all of us have what? Fallen short of the glory of God. That every single man has sinned and needs a savior. So Jesus looks at all of us and says, without me, it doesn't work at all. (laughs) So it puts us all in this even playing field and it puts us in this position of where we don't start rating sin. It's like, well, I lied, so that was like a one. But people that kill people, that's like a 10, you know. Jesus doesn't rate it. He says, no, 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 it's all sin. And you all need my grace. You all need my mercy. See, Jesus measures by a cross. I want to just remind you of something. I have to remind myself of this all the time, but you don't do sinful acts, and that makes you a sinner. You do sinful acts because you're a sinner, (laughs) Because there's something in here without Jesus, it just misfires. Over and over. Like how many of you have ever done stupid things and you told yourself you would never do that stupid thing? You wake up in the morning, you're like, today, God, it's just going to be our day. I'm going to serve you. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. You're like, God, tomorrow. (laughs) Right? See, with God, there is no curve. There's just a cross. Evens the playing field, and he looks at all of us, and he says, you all need me. And so here's what that means, that no matter who you are, and no matter what you've done, we all have the same access to God, regardless of what your past looks like. So some of you are like, well, you don't understand my past. Maybe I don't. God does. And here's what I want to just challenge you with this morning, because I can't tell you how many people I have talked to that have based their view of Jesus how, because of how other people have treated them. So many of us, let's just be honest, a lot of us have some church hurt in here, okay? And I'm, we're not perfect. I'm, if you haven't been hurt by us yet, it's coming, okay? We will offend you eventually. It's never intentional, but it just happens. Why? Because people are, people are broken, and they do broken things. But here's what you can't attribute that to. 
You can't look at the way that people have treated you or the way that another church has treated you and says, well, if they've done that to me, then that must be how Jesus is. Listen, just because you've gotten hurt in a church, just because because you've been sabotaged in another relationship, God is not that father. He's the father that never leaves you. He's the father that never forsakes you. He does not make a mistake. So here's what I want you to understand. Some of the hurt that some of us have, we've attributed it to, well, that's God's fault. And the truth is we've just allowed other people to define that for us. We've gotten angry at God. I mean, I've been there. God, where are you? You said you were going to provide. Like, I'm down here. I don't know if you've seen my situation yet. (laughs) Right? But this is what religion does. When things don't go our way, we get frustrated. We get angry. When you understand, no, no, this this is a relationship. This is not some contractual agreement. This is a person that I have the ability to connect with. Number three. Religion is outside in, Jesus is inside out. So it's kind of like this, let me behave well enough so that God will give me what I want. That's religion. You ever asked yourself that question? Like, God, like I'm nailing it right now. I don't know if you understand, like this week has been incredible. I haven't sinned once. <laughs> I've been excellent. Where are you at? And God said, I mean, are you only serving me so you can get something from me? Have you ever noticed that with your kids? Uh, last night, Amelia, we, we have a bedtime for all of our kids. And uh, so she knew it was bedtime in like five minutes. And she came to me. She's like, Daddy, I can do like chores. I can sweep the house. I can clean. I can. I'm like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> just trying to stay. You just want something from me, right? Mark 7 1 through 8. One day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. Okay, so they're here to see Jesus. They noticed that some of the disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of washing their hands before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cup hand as required by their ancient, what's that word? Traditions. Does it say scripture? Does it say Jesus told us to do that? No, it's traditions. Four, similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of the many, what? Traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremony, washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisee and teachers of religious law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Listen to this. I, love, I just love Jesus. Jesus replied, you hypocrites. I, I honestly, I can't wait until I'm at least like 80 years old and I can say anything and just get away with it, you know. I'm still young and they're like, you're, you're prideful. You can't say that. I'm going to get in trouble if I say certain things. So I just read this and I'm like, I can't wait until I'm like 80. You hypocrite. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, watch this, this is huge. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. What is this whole passage saying? Jesus is saying, listen, 
I haven't gone to the cross yet. I'm not dead yet. I'm here on earth. You have the opportunity to spend time with me and you miss it because you're so focused on washing your hands. What is he saying? He's saying, you're missing. I'm right here. <laughs> and we got people going, but, but Jesus, I mean, they, they're not washing their hands, God. And Jesus is saying, shut up and eat. <laughs> just eat. That may be a little gross, but just eat. How many times do we get caught up in missing Jesus because we're, so, we're asking, did I do it right? Did I pray right? Did I say it right? See, religion is good at making us miss the main point, Jesus. See, Jesus could care less about your good deeds. He wants your heart. It's always after. He could care less about your checklist. He could care less at looking into your life and going, God, man, this week I've just been excellent. He said, no, I just want to know you. He said, I want to know you on a deeper level. Let's read Isaiah 64, verse 6. Watch this. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. So it's like us going, God, God, look at my goodness. And God's saying, what does that mean to me? It says, like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. See, at the end of the day, Jesus did not die for a system. He died so that you could come into a life-giving relationship with him. And the reason that you keep beating yourself up over and over and over and over and over again and you feel so much shame and the reason that you feel like you can't come to God and you can't be yourself in church and around other people is because you're bought into the system. If I share this, if I'm honest, God say, no, just come just like you are. He's saying, I want a relationship with you. I'll take you as you are right now. I've said this since day one, and I still believe it to be true. There's a lot of things that I've preached on day one that I don't believe to be true anymore. But this still holds. Any religious system that causes you to be holier than Jesus is wrong. It's just wrong. And so we get caught up into this idea of all these do's and all these don'ts. And here's what Jesus is saying. If you would just fall in love with me, you'll know how to live. And you'll know how to live. And not only, you're not going to do it based on these are the rules and these are the lines that you have to color inside. No, you start to live for me. Why? Because you love me. Because you love me. Mark seven fourteen. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come in here. He said, all of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled what comes out of your heart. So he's saying, listen, it's not this on a Sunday morning of you raising your hands and looking the part that makes you a Christian. It's not even you showing up here at this building. It's definitely an additive. It's definitely something that we need. It does not save you. Jesus is saying, no, no, I want what's right here. Like, I, I want to be a part of your life, not just on a piece of Sunday morning, but like throughout the week. I want you to commune with me, to connect with me. The best way that I can put it for people that love football, 
to put it this way, just because you bought a Drew Brees or just because you bought a Saints jersey does not make you Drew Brees. You can put the jersey on and be like, oh, dude, I am ready to play. No, you're going to get crushed. <laughs> right? Just because we wear the part does not make it us a Christian. Jesus is saying, look, I, I could be concerned with the rough, I, I don't care about the rough edges you have. I think sometimes that concerns us in a church sometimes, doesn't it? It freaks, especially if you've been serving the Lord for a long time, it freaks you out. Like when people walk into these doors and they're a little rough around the edges. I'll never forget, my dad was in a meeting one time and this lady had just gotten saved and uh, he's standing up and this is back when they used to do church a whole lot differently than when we do it now. And she, like, literally in that moment had just gotten saved. And he has a, he has a microphone. And he's like, man, I, ma'am, he said, I just want you to curse the devil right now. And, like, she literally started cursing at the devil. But that's like, oh, my God, pulls the mic away. She's just rough around the edges, right? And for Christians, sometimes that just freaks us out, doesn't it? I'll never forget this, and you may not agree with this, and I really don't care. <laughs> in year one, I remember driving in Crowley, and there was this man who was homeless, and uh, it was a Saturday morning. This is this is probably maybe six months in, so it was early Sunday morning, and I don't know why. I just felt compelled to stop and talk to this guy, so I'm talking to this guy, chatting, and he's telling me his whole story. You know, he's trying to get back to Florida. And I said, hey, buddy, look, he needed like $12 for a bus ticket to get back to his family. I said, I'll give you $12 to go back to, to, to Florida, but you just got to come to church with me. Oh, man, I haven't, I haven't come in the church. My nerves are going to be so bad, you know. And he's telling me all these different things. And, man, I, I haven't smoked a cigarette in a while, so I'll buy you a pack of cigarettes if you come with me. I know some people are like, oh, my God, would you do that? Absolutely. Why not? Do I do it? Do I agree with it? No. But listen, I am willing to do anything outside of sin so people can understand the Jesus that I know today. And I know that freaks some of you out, but, he, but here's the deal. This is where we have gone wrong as the church. We have started majoring on the minors and minoring on the majors. So we can look at people and go, I can't believe they're doing this, or I can't believe you would let this person come. You don't even care about the single mom down your street that can't make it. You don't care about the guy sitting on the street. Like, that's real Christianity. Like, we're leaning into people's hurt and pain. And that's what it boils down to. And we've gotten into, so far into this system that, like, every Christian has to play this part. And so here's what's happened. We've put on this mask, and nobody knows who we really are. So we look good in the room, and we're a wreck outside of here. And so all I want to challenge you to do, and I know that's, and some of you are like, I, some of you heard me say that, and you're like, I love this church, and I'm coming back. And some of you are like, I don't like that. That's fine. I'll gladly talk to you after service. But real Christianity centers on Jesus' righteousness, what he has done, and not what you have done. So listen, it's boiling it all down and going, at the center of Christianity is one person and that is Jesus. And the most beautiful thing in the world today is that we have an opportunity to connect with him. We have an opportunity to connect with Jesus, the same God that resurrected from the grave. We have the ability to tap into that power. 
See, religion says do. Jesus says, "Mm, it's already finished. (laughs) Religion is man searching for God. Jesus is God searching for man. Religion is pursuing God by our own moral efforts. Jesus is God pursuing us despite our goodness. Religious people kill for what they believe. Jesus followers die for what they believe. It's a shift of the paradigm. And we have got to come, you know what made the the early church so radical? You know what made Jesus so radical? Because everything that he talked about went against everything that everybody believed. Like, he was a culture shifter. He, he shakes some things up. He said some things that people did not like. We've got to get back to we are in this thing, not to follow a system, but to fall in love with Jesus. Because at the end of the day, all of us, all of us, Augustine said this, all of us have a God-sized hole. In our entire life, we're trying to fill it with something. And so maybe you're in here today and you've been trying to fill it with something. You look out on the world and you're grabbing for something, right? Something to feel better, something to ease the pain, something to ease the depression, the anxiety, something to feel the loneliness, the emptiness, something to make you feel like you have some type of purpose here in this life. At the end of the day, the only thing that fills that void is Jesus. And when you're grabbing for things out there in the world, it's like trying to take a circular block and stick it in a star-shaped hole. It just doesn't work. So here's what I want you to understand. I know this is a different message than we normally preach. But here's what I want you to understand. Today, whoever you are, wherever you're at, whatever you've gone through, Jesus is saying, you can come to me. You can come to me. You can have a relationship with me. Wherever you're at, whoever you are, whatever you've done in the past. But religion says, well, people aren't going to understand. Well, they're going to view you differently. or They're not going to accept you. Or you can't, you can't admit that. It's going to ruin your reputation. Man, the reason that I follow Jesus is not because I was logically convinced to do so. The reason I follow Jesus is because I know how broken I am without him. Because I can look back on the stupidity, the mistakes that I've made, the places where I have epically blown it. Broken promises, I've hurt my wife, I've wrecked relationships. I've done things that I regret. But I can always come back to this father that says, you know what, Zach? It's not a contract. It's a covenant I made with you when you first decided to give your life to me. Because we made that covenant together, I'm not going anywhere. You always have a place at this table. So here's what I want you to understand this morning. Jesus has a table set. And you always got a seat at it if you just simply give your life to him.